Angeles. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Sayer G, who's going to discuss a real difficult situation that happened on Instagram. He was deprived of his rights to free speech, as well as his company, Green Med Info. Sayer, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate having uh, an opportunity to speak about what happened. Well, I've been a big fan of yours for a while now, and I love what you do with the health side, as well as the awareness side with what's going on in this complicated society that we have today. Before we get into the details of what we're going to discuss about free speech, I wanted to give you an opportunity to give your links out for my audience. Great. Yeah. Uh, you can find us uh, still on Instagram through my main account, which is Sayer G, my, my name, Sayer G, GMI, since mm-hmm. Green Med Info. And then we have Green Med Info too on Instagram, which is a backup. Uh, and then we're on Telegram. That's a great way to get the word out without any kind of algorithmic deboosting. Yes. It's, uh, it's a channel, so it's not dialogical, so it has its limitations. But relative to Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, and other uh, conventional platforms, it's, I don't believe, capturing the data as much. So that it gives you a little bit more privacy protection, I think. I agree. And also, you're on YouTube. I watch you on YouTube fairly often. What's your YouTube channel? That's right. YouTube, you can find me, Green Med Info, uh, and also Sayer G. So we have two channels. Although recently, in this window, uh, they they took our first video down after 10 years. So I think it was wow. because of the one that you know irritated Instagram so much. Wow. It's already happening. It's happening on YouTube, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, I'm going to drop the links uh, to all those links you discussed in the show notes and also in the description section of our YouTube video, which we're making simultaneous with this podcast. Sayer, I want to tell you, thanks again for making time for us. I know you're a super busy man with multiple businesses and also trying to get the word out to help people out there concerning you know, what they should be aware of during this complicated time. Let's get right into the story. And that is, you know, a while back, and I want to, I'm estimating about a month to three weeks back, you had a main Instagram account called Green Med Info, uh, and you were deplatformed. Do you, is that, is that a ring a bell? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, we were posting content that Instagram labeled as harmful and, uh, what was it? False, yeah. harmful, false information. And, um, some of that information was reposting, for example, Ron Paul's quote around the uh, hyperinflated statistics um, of uh, COVID, basically, you know, confirmed cases wow. being construed as if, you know, there's dead people in the street and everyone needs to freak out. So it was just reposting something of Ron Paul's and suddenly our account got flagged. And some of that content, um, yeah, I guess irritated Instagram to the point where they said, you're, you're done. So... Wow. And that, was that the main uh, post that was identified as taken down and the reason why your channel or, or your channel, your account was taken down? Well, actually what happened, there were three posts over the course of the past, uh, I'd say three, four months related to COVID and just trying to point out some facts that are inconvenient. Uh, and they caused warnings saying your page could be unpublished. So, but I think the primary reason was I did a video, uh, a live stream where I talked about the pandemic numbers Mm -hmm. being 
orders of magnitude lower than what was originally stated to the public and which justified the March 15th lockdown of the United States. Yeah. And that was pretty much, I think, what they couldn't handle. And they shut down the account, I think, for that reason. Mm. Now, did you have the GreenMed2 Instagram account uh, before you were shut down on the first account? Yes, and because others were saying, hey, listen, you should probably <laughs> do that. And so I just prepared. And I've known other brands that have faced censorship, like Free Thought Project and Anti-Media yes. were brands that were taken off Facebook. And many of those brands, including myself, came to Instagram because Facebook's algorithms had so de-boosted and de-ranked our posts that you know we have 550,000 followers on Facebook, all organically arrived at, no, wow. no synthetic uh, you know, likes. And <laughs> yeah. Our, yeah, I know. Our reach was down to nothing. So Instagram was this vibrant platform that seemed to have real engagement. And of course, it was bought by Facebook. So that was an illusion, ultimately, because we're now seeing censorship worse there than on Facebook. I agree. We're seeing it a lot worse. Were you given an opportunity to appeal the termination of the account? No, no. It, it still states that within 24 hours, you should be able to go to the you know, help center to file a file review. And, and there's no way to do that. So it's been, it's been a few weeks and nothing. Wow. That is really, really difficult. It's frustrating to me being a social media lawyer, seeing people who are literally reposting other content that's available on the same platform and other platforms uh, and really just stating their truth, not trying to incite, uh, not trying to inflame, just kind of repeating the truth, get deplatformed. In my opinion, free speech should be something that's revered on the social media platforms. And clearly, as far as Instagram goes, it wasn't in this case. Yeah, in fact, what's really alarming to me is I recently posted to Sayer G, you know, my Instagram account, yeah. just a question related to mass, you know, very basic question, like, if they work, why can't, you know, relatives of the elderly, for example, that are in hospitals visit them? And if they don't work, you know, then, you know, just a question. And the question was labeled as harmful, false information. And, mm. you know, they covered up the, the you know, the image blurted out. So that's the thing is if we're getting to the point where you can't even ask a question or hold an opinion on medical matters, that's, that's a real scary place to live, I think. Yeah. And I think they're forcing us to go to other different uh, social media platforms like Telegram uh, to be able to be in a, in a forum in which like-minded people or people who are interested in being aware can actually see the truth or at least see the evolution of the truth, the discussion about the truth. Uh, and that's what I'm really excited about going forward. I think we're going to see a lot more kind of closed platforms where it's not about getting likes and hashtags and all those things, but it's more about having a discussion, a civil discussion about topics that affect all of us. Yeah, and I think your point's excellent. And when you think about consent, which is key here, when you subscribe or follow someone, you're saying, okay, I'm interested in learning what they have to say. At any point, you can unsubscribe, you can comment that you don't approve it, but to have someone intermediate that, in a way that's kind of seemingly more algorithmic. It's, it's almost like AI is now censoring. And I know a number of content creators now that are self-censoring themselves, like yes. they won't use, right? And then that's, that's when we actually become entrained to an AI algorithm before you know, it's even taken over humanity. We're already consenting to it taking over our freedom of speech. So the fear of being deplatformed is now conditioning people. And I would rather, be deplatformed de than to censor myself. And it's not the best choice for everybody, but we'll see what happens. It's an experiment because any day they could take my other 
pages off, but I'm still alive. So, you know, I'm still around. You're still alive. You're still healthy. <laughs> now, listen, and also your subscriber count on Telegram is still healthy. I think it's up to 22,000 or somewhere around there. So you're building there with people who are interested in you and the truth that you tell. Um, how, you know, before we go into a uh, discussion of the pandemic and some of the issues that are confronting our, you know, society, our globe today, how did you get started? Well, you know, I was, I was saying like before social media was a thing, at least for me, it was not in my consciousness. I was really just in the public working with people, the context of natural health, um, supporting them with information that they needed to be informed and to make good decisions. And, and that was what I was doing. And so for 10 years, I was known locally in Southwest Florida as the health food guy people would come to for advice. And you know, it was just what I love to do. And it was not till 2007, eight that I realized that, okay, there's all this research in the National Library of Medicine. There's not a single place I could think of you could just go to and, and look at the index of research. So I figured, all right, I want to do this for myself. I've been doing it for my friends and clients. So so I created Agreement Info, but it was not until 2008 when it was actually Reddit blew up this article that I uh, posted about how uh, breastfeeding interfered with vaccine efficacy. It was some absurd CDC funded study making it seem like, you know, women in the third world shouldn't breastfeed. Yeah. And um, it was like top page of Reddit, millions of views. And it was it was like a supernova. I was like, wow, so this is how you get information out. <laughs> and then Facebook took over and there was tr- you know, trillions of you know, referral traffic given for free to the world to get their platform up and running before we all realized that it would be monetized and co-opted for military level surveillance of, of, you know, the population. So that's kind of where we're at now is the veil's lifted and it's not a safe place, or at least you should have informed consent if you use these platforms is that there's a downside, even though they're pretty much still amazing tools for connecting. They are. They're really amazing. So to go back, I mean, basically, as I uh, was familiar with greenmedinfo.com, it was basically a situation where you subscribe and then you'd have access to like over 10,000 or so uh, medical scientific research papers with no particular uh, bent, just the ones that were available to learn how to live healthily. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now there's 65,000 abstracts, there's 10,000 subjects, 3,000 diseases are indexed. the turmeric page alone, uh, so I think 3,100 articles on turmeric's benefits across 800 conditions. And the idea was let the studies speak for themselves. We just have an algorithm that presents the data, shows the most compelling solutions, and, and, and there it is. But interestingly, it was the reporting on the, the studies that got the most attention. And then that's what made us kind of an enemy of the state, if you will, because natural medicine is now considered to be the enemy of the agenda that's descending around the world today. It's all pharma. It's all military, medical, industrial complex, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, there was a time actually when you started, would you say it was around March 15th when there was the global lockdown where you started saying, listen, I need to get more information out there, not just about um, healthy living and the evidence-based health uh, concerns, um, but I need to get out actually what's really happening to us and how we should, you know, how we should basically understand whether or not we should take a vaccine or not, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd already spent 10 years on the vaccine topic, pretty much on the front lines, getting a lot of flack because, you know, the writing was on the wall. You know, there's no evidence to support today's 
vaccine schedule, you know, in the United States or otherwise, as being safe and effective because they never use placebo-controlled trials. They don't use saline. So the, so the problem is so fundamental that when you really go down the rabbit hole of vaccines, you come out realizing that this is an agenda for control and profit, but primarily control. So I already knew a lot of that. And I, I honestly was on the sidelines before March, just didn't want to say anything because I'm like, you know what? Okay, maybe it's a weaponized gain of function, you know, germ particle that they released in Wuhan. Who knows? Yes. And you saw the videos, people dropping dead in the street. It wasn't until later, right? I realized it was a PSYOP. I mean, they there's a Hollywood level PSYOP. And you look back to event 201 with what they ran in New York City, um, you'll realize that this was completely architected on every level. And it, it's like almost anything that happens today in the mainstream media. It's just architected and disseminated across a thousand channels. It's the same script. So then I was like, okay, I have to speak up to what is clearly the problem here in the United States, which is that these case fatality rate projections are based on absolutely just, just it's, it's, it's unicorn science. There was nothing there to back it up actually. Mm -hmm. And then that's what we saw happen. Even Fauci himself three months ago in the New England Journal of Medicine said that the case fatality rate for COVID is no worse than a bad seasonal flu. And he's the head of the, mm. you know, coronavirus task force for the White House. So it wasn't like you even had to make up any kind of theory about what was going on. They were just, it didn't, it didn't translate. What they said was going to happen, 2.2 million people were going to die if they didn't lock down immediately. None, none of that happened. And so, so that's the problem. You can't really speak to the facts today without them calling it fake or, or harmful false information. Mm -hmm. Now, I've uh, seen many of your posts in this regard. Are you getting some response from your audience? I mean, are, are they taking action? What, what are you hoping to gain by making these people aware of all these contradictions in our society? Well, I think because we all felt it, we were all told to, uh, you know, uh, basically lock down, which is like an active shooter terminology. The way that they ran this operation made everyone feel like that was a good thing to do. Never in the history of infectious disease, to my knowledge, have they required the quarantining of healthy individuals, also requiring them to give up their livelihoods. I mean, this is unprecedented. Yes. So there was, nothing, right? there was nothing about this that made any sense to people that were looking at it just from a strictly like common sense perspective. So speaking up was just human nature. And there was a mm -hmm. lot of others who've done it. It's just that we already had a platform that had enough of a following because across our email list and social media footprint, we probably have about 1.52 million followers. Wow. So Instagram was sort of a small part of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that um, the point was to get people where and then for them to take constructive action, because I also am the co-founder of a nonprofit organization called Stand for Health Freedom that enables people to take direct action through the Digital Advocacy Center. So I didn't want to just make people wear, scare them and then they don't know what to do. We also have tools that they can use to make an impact. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, when you, you decided that you needed to stand up, actually, it sounds like it was just an involuntary response to what was going on. Did you uh, have strategy as far as how you'd get the word out? Did you, uh, you know, uh, basically organize the platforms like, you know, this is their top priority, Instagram, our second priority is YouTube. We'll do LinkedIn posts too. How did you kind of structure that, that uh, message? 
Well, actually, it's always been our newsletter, which has been the top driver of our information. So, you know, greenmaninfo.com forward slash newsletter, it's free. And that's how we've always disseminated information. And in this, oh, in the beginning of this lockdown, we had so much pushback from our own loyal fans, 10 years, because they they weren't privy to the contradictions yet in the narrative. It has only been since the past few months that it seems like there's been a critical mass of awakening around people realizing that there's more to this than a virus shutting down the world, that there's an agendas that are being executed under the cover of COVID that that wouldn't have, they wouldn't have been able to pull it off, you know, without that story. Mm-hmm. Now, when you did decide uh, as far as getting on social media and you I obviously were on Instagram, we discussed a problem with YouTube also, as far as them taking down your first video, were there other social media platforms that gave you guff too, that gave you some difficulties when you're publishing your information? Uh, yeah. That's why it's interesting that this COVID thing didn't shake me maybe as much as others that I know, because mm. in 2018, we started to see an orchestrated attempt to deplatform us, starting with Pinterest and then going right in. Yeah, Pinterest took us out. Of all platforms, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yo, yeah like, I guess that's like not a big deal. I shouldn't feel so sorry for myself. And then, <laughs> well, then it was MailChimp. It was our email provider, 10 years of oh. incredible open click rates compliance. And they just said, sorry, your anti-vaccine, we're shutting you down. And you know, the two, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act says that these big tech platforms can basically be indemnified against inhibiting your free speech because they have a platform. They shouldn't care what is on the platform, theoretically, if they're just providing software as a service. But they shut us down as a publisher. And then it turned out that they're a CDC funding partner through the CDC's foundation, their nonprofit extension. I and by see. being, yeah. And so they're basically, I think they're legally bound to inhibit our free speech on behalf of the CDC, yeah. even though that's technically unconstitutional and unlawful. But that's what happened. And then from there, Google eliminated all natural health sites from their search results. Mercola saw 99.9% of his traffic disappear overnight. That happened in June 2019. So just there more and more um, slow boiling of the frog, taking out free speech, health freedom, mm-hmm. natural medicine advocacy. You know, Google signed a $720 million contract with GlaxoSmithKline two years ago. Pharma and Google have merged. The state and, and pharma have merged. It's just like, it's a global pharmaceutical oligarchy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. That that statute kind of brings to the fore a discussion about, you know, being a publisher uh, or being a distributor of information. And when that law was passed, it was sold to us as basically a necessary law so that social media platforms could be distributors of all content and only have the right to delete content that is harassing, obscene, um, or otherwise objectionable. I will agree that there is that little, you know, phrase in there. Um, What do you see social media as right now? A platform for distribution, um, a a publisher of information, they get to choose and pick what kind of information they allow the public to see. What is your thought on that? Well, you know, it's an aphorism at this point uh, for our age, but if uh, you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Yeah. You know, this recent Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, is yeah, really yeah, yeah. It was amazing. You saw it? I watched part of it. I'm going to do a review, I think, for the channel. 
Oh my God, it'd be awesome to have your perspective on it. But it was really impressive because, you know, Netflix is big tech. So I was surprised they were letting loose with this vision, which is dark of an AI driven universe where we're almost like avatars in this digital realm, right? With our souls being ingested and weaponized against us. And that's how the data capture works, you know, Cambridge Analytica and all these new revelations. So I think that what I've come to is more of a position of radical responsibility. I'm thankful that these platforms have given me any voice, right? And it's really not the platforms. What happened initially with the algorithms were set up to honor and reflect what true human engagement is. You know, millions of years of evolution pre-programs us to want social validation, you know? Yeah, and they've done a genius job of capturing that and actually delivering it for, for good. And yet now we know that the founders of the internet and of Silicon Valley and social media are so interwoven with what you might call the permanent state or deep state and the military industrial complex that ultimately now we're seeing that this was designed to control and and usher in really a 24 seven surveillance state, not unlike what we're seeing in this dystopian Chinese model And that's what's happening here in the United States, in my opinion. So, so yes, there's still beauty with social media. Overnight, someone can change the world or their destiny by having people make something go viral. But the reality is that they are trying to weaponize this against us. They have successfully done that previously. In Australia, supporting a post on Facebook, you can get arrested. I I mean, you know, law enforcement already has access to all our social media. So it depends on where they want to take this. But I, I feel like I'm in a way um, a use case for what's happening because I would like to think they let us continue yeah. and that we can and, and they don't try shutting us down one by one. But you know, you you probably have the best perspective of all on what's going on. So I'm, I'm actually no, I curious. Do, I do. I think I do. I think it's definitely the you know social media platforms are publishers and creators out there should know that going in. You implied that when we started talking in the beginning of our podcast about that, that you have to, you know, there's positives and negatives and you have to use them, um, you know, according to your conscience and with the understanding that, like you said, they have access to, you know, everything that we do online. Um, You know, one of the things we wanted to talk about, and I know that we talked about off offline was giving some actionable advice to creators out there, bringing some value to them. And, you know, you've done this for so long, you've built such a large email list and Facebook following and all the different social media platform followings. Do you have any advice for up and coming creators, you know, who want to be able to get the truth out on social media, which is basically our primary, you know, uh, facilitator of our voices right now? It's a great question, um, and I so appreciate your perspective. You see this sort of uh, bird's eye view of our landscape. So, yeah. at some point, I'd like to probably ask you a number of questions here. But, but uh, the reality is that the fact checkers, right? This whole fake news meme and this slow boiling of the frog. The problem is most of the independent fact checkers that are validated by Facebook, Instagram. If you look at their boards, you look at the money trail, they're literally funded by the organizations that are benefiting from censoring information. So for example, anything that's critical of the Gates Foundation, Mm -hmm. um, he has funded a number of the fact-checking police like uh, Pointner and um, 
PolitiFacts, Africa Check, it's all funded by the Gates Foundation. I mean, NPR, Mother Jones, you can go through all these formerly independent, they're all funded by the Gates Foundation. And so the reality is that it's absurd what's going on, the way they're saying, oh, this is not true. And then you see who's saying that, and they're covering up a crime kind of in broad daylight. Like it's really egregious. So the, the reality is that until we can actually kind of go meta, like even my colleague, Bobby, Kennedy has been doing a lot to try to call out Facebook for their censorship. And until we can actually get to the higher level of addressing, uh, you know, the systemic uh, process of censorship, I just don't know that I have a lot of, I don't see the, I don't think it's so positive right now because it's very difficult when you post something that's really just a question and they censor you. It's, it's, there's no real, yeah. They're not, there's not an ethics that they're abiding by here. So they, if they don't want you to have a certain amount of following, they're going to try to take you out, unfortunately. And yeah. meaning Instagram or Facebook, not in, in reality, but just. No, no, yeah. I understand. Um, so there really is no answer. Would you say that a, a creator wanting to get his or her truth out should use certain tips or techniques to be able to avoid the algorithms or avoid censorship? Or, or is it your advice just to state your truth, be who you are, and let the chips fall where they may? Amen, brother. Yeah, that's what I would say because I, I never went about trying to get a following, which is an interesting story. You know, like before all this stuff was monetized and people were trying to build followings and it was just me just kind of going out on a limb. And it happened a number of times, man. Like when March Against Monsanto happened, that was a great liberation for me because for five, six years, I was out there with a few people like Jeffrey Smith's calling out mm-hmm. Monsanto and putting a target on my forehead. Yeah. And it's like the more people that go and speak their truth, the safer it becomes to be in the world. That's and so nice. that's, and I think you will see people will really resonate with you on a soul level. So what, what I think is true, I think Walt, Walt Whitman said something to the effect that, you know, just do whatever, you know, reject anything that insults your soul was what he was saying. But the opposite is true, too. Just, 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 just do what your soul says is right. You're going to be protected. It's meant to be. And ultimately, we're going to win, so to speak, if we all stay positive and don't make our decisions based so much on fear. Because, you know, it's hard not to do that. And I do that sometimes, but mostly I try to make my decisions based on confidence that the truth is going to truly liberate us, you know? Yeah, I really love those words. I I love keeping positive because in this day and age, uh, I think the world is mostly 95% negative. Um, That being said, where do you see the future of GreenMed Info and you on social media? Are you moving to different platforms to be able to be less constrained? Um, are you going to continue to work with the, the main, you know, mainstream platforms to get the word out? What is your, what's your strategy for the future? Yeah, so here's a great question. And yeah. what's interesting to me is like Instagram was new. Like it was actually uh, my wife, Kelly, who already had such a great experience with it'd be a non-troll place. Like Facebook totally destroyed her page for a while there. We stopped caring. Yeah. And then Instagram was like a place where you celebrate more beauty and, you know, it's more, it's picture related. And, and anyway, so it was new. And so I didn't take it. I don't take it as to heart the way that I know some people's whole platforms are now based on a simple Instagram yes. page or YouTube. Right. So that's where I, I feel like if I've done anything correctly, it was to realize early on that you build an email list following Yes. And, and that way you control your traffic, your community, 
because, you know, there's a ton of them. When MailChimp kicked us off, we had all these great platforms pop up, say, you know what, we, we support you. We don't believe in censorship and we'll do whatever we can to help you get your message out. We can spin up our own email server as well. We didn't have to go to that length. There are good enterprise ones that, so, so the point is, is that that way you create your own reality on some level of um, yes. independence. But, but I do think that there are new brands that are based more on privacy popping up many of them are kind of questionable you have yeah. to look at their boards yeah then you know eventually they reach a certain yeah, point they eventually yeah it gets followed yeah. up yeah. but there there's some there's some that are nodal that are being created in decentralized blockchain type of networks yes. mm-hmm. so you know i think that that's something to look at but um for now i think the primary thing is just go with what's true and then be prepared, though, to uh, create your own independent platform as you go. Join ones that are better, you know. Yep. 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 I like those tips. Those are, that's actually really, really great. What we often emphasize on this, uh, this channel, on this podcast, um, is being platform agnostic. Because at any given moment, we could put, you know, not talk about the pandemic and some of the things that are inflammatory right now. Just if they don't like that I'm wearing a white shirt, they could shut you down under their terms of service. So you really have to, whether it be an email list or some other connection piece, control that audience or at least have access to that audience, preserve that audience so that you can be nimble. And if you get knocked off of Instagram, you can move on to Telegram. If you get knocked off of Telegram, you can move on to QQ. Whatever it is, uh, you have to stay nimble. Absolutely. I yeah. think that's true. For sure. Well, Sayer, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We've come to the end of our time together, and I really want to respect your time because you're super, super busy. Again, want you to tell the audience out there your links, where they can reach you, how they can sign up with the um, evidence-based uh, healthy uh, information database you have on the line. Sure. I'd say greenmaninfo.com forward slash newsletter, the best place to just get a daily update as far as new research, you know, pressing new uh, news as well as, you know, we have events that are always free. So that's one thing that um, I would encourage people to uh, follow us on. And then, of course, we have Telegram, which I love at this point because it enables us real-time connection, 100% reach on our posts. And it just it feels so different than when you've been blocked for so many years when you have, you know, your content get out. I really like Telegram too. And I'm going to put the invite link in the description section, uh, both the podcast and the YouTube video. And also I'm going to point up because like, as you know, (laughs) Sayer, for YouTube, you got to point up so that I can take uh, the audience to uh, some of your other videos that are on YouTube so they can watch for themselves uh, the information that you like to get out to make everyone aware. Again, Sayer, thank you so much for uh, coming in and sharing with us. It's my honor. Thank you so much. And I'll be sure to introduce my fans to your work as well, which I think is important. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Creators, I hope you got some value out of today's talk. By the way, as a reminder, go to iancorzine.com to get all answers that you need to your social media law questions. Please remember to subscribe to the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine. And if you could, on iTunes, rate our podcast so that we can skyrocket up the charts All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see y'all next week.